0: All right. Hey, this you. is musicians having coffee and talking about stuff. Yeah. So Great. this is my guest, the amazing Paul Bielatovich. Yeah. Good to see you, man. It's been too long.
1: Great to see you. Great to see you too, Neil. Yeah. Really, really honored to be uh, to be here and be asked by you to do this. I think I've got as many questions for you as you uh, might have for me. So. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> well, we just, we'll just have a chat and let things go. Amazing. So. Last time I saw you was at the um, Grand Ole Opry, I think.
1: That's right. Yeah, the Royal Affair Tour, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, yeah but one of the biggest tours I've ever done. Followed by the longest period of not touring that I've ever done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wow. Who knew? Who knew this was coming? So, uh, but I—I I mean, for me, I feel like um, it's been perhaps the most. Uh, prolific and productive time that I've had in terms of writing my own stuff. Oh, uh, great! So, so it's been great for me. It's been really yeah. good.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, there was a lot of there were a lot of good things for us too. Um, you know, I made the Solar Gratia album, and um, right. I think I was also working on the new Transatlantic during that time. I think too. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't. Okay. Know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Sense. I'm kind of adrift. I'm adrift in the yeah. centuries. I don't know. <laughs> I don't always know. But um, yeah, and then um, since we couldn't, there was very little uh, vacationing or anything that we could do. We got an RV and we took Sherry's dad all over the country, you know, wearing masks really? and everywhere and gloves, getting gas. Right. and um, oh, wow. Yeah, but we went all over and uh, because we could, you know, there was there. We, my... My idea during COVID was, you know, let's let's be safe, but let's do what we can do, you know, yeah. what's allowed. Um, so, yeah, we went to a bunch of national parks. Had a yeah. wonderful time. So there was a lot of good things yeah, that happened during, in 2020 for us.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, for, for me, I, I just – we di- in fact, we left the state. We left Massachusetts for the first time in 18 months. Last week, we went up to New Hampshire to a friend's – um, house up there. I spent two days up there. That was the first time we went out of the state.
0: No kidding Yeah, wow.
1: yeah, so we yeah, we've been locked down really uh, But as I say it's it's been it's been <laughs> I don't want to say it was great because I know it was miserable for a lot of people but uh, But it's been very productive for me. So I've really appreciated the time to be at home.
0: You're in the Boston area. Are
1: you? Yeah, yeah south about an hour south of Boston um small town called Dartmouth next to uh, t- a city called New Bedford I don't know if you've come across New Bedford but uh yeah nice down here lots of places to, you know lots of beaches to walk to uh when uh, when you can't go anywhere else so yeah it's it's been good down here good and uh we w- we got this we bought a house um about 3 years ago converted the garage to a studio and uh so that's where I spend all of my days,
0: yeah, yeah. I know exactly what I, you're talking about <laughs> as I look fantastic. yeah well yeah.
1: i mean for you know for for people watching who who don't know me i'm i'm I've spent my life as like a hired gun playing other people's music, and uh it's it's been really nice to write my own music for for really the for the first time really. Um, and just spend a lot of time on that. I've, I've got a, a Patreon page, which has kept me, you know, it's paid the rent and it's kept us alive during the pandemic. It's just Wonderful. amazing. And I, I made a, a crazy pledge to my patrons to write every single one of them, all 200 of them, a song each or a piece of music each. Um, so I, so I've been writing songs every single day, and it's just been fantastic. Um, wow. some, some, are, some are terrible and uh, some I'm pleased with, uh, but you know, <laughs> that that's how it goes, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Hopefully you're not one of the ones that got one of the terrible ones. <laughs> we won't ask you which is which.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> well, you know, not everything that comes out is gold. It's, right. You know, sometimes we're not yeah. sure. Sometimes, you know, you have to explore it. Sometimes to figure yeah. out whether it's working or not, maybe spend some time away from it, and then yeah. you go like, "Yeah, yeah, this is working. This is good. We should do this." And other times, yeah. like, mm, "I think maybe that's an idea whose time has not come."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, one thing i found is is I will write something, and it's not quite there, uh, and I, you know, I don't really want to spend any time rewriting, because I've got to get on to the next one. I've got 200 of these to write. Um, But it will kind of inspire something else that that then does work. How many of your ideas would you say make it to albums? Do you have lots of discarded ideas and discarded songs?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do. Gosh, I I don't know. I I wouldn't be able to give a number or percentage. Like for the last Transatlantic, I think of all the stuff that I had submitted or prepared, I think maybe about half was used.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, And I mean, you know, that means used, like we we took that theme and then we did this with it. It doesn't mean necessarily even used as I had originally written it, but something like that, maybe like 50 minutes of music I had written, you know, to submit for the album and then probably used about twenty twenty five, I think. And then a lot of stuff just happens in the room too, you know, besides the stuff that you just prepare, yeah. that's, then that's really hard to gauge because then every, every, you know, you're throwing out a maybe a song idea and then, you know, it gets, uh, maybe that you use the verse that you just sang exactly like that, but then the chorus gets changed by the people in the room and, you know, yeah, right. It's very difficult to gauge all that kind of stuff. You just hope that it all comes out to be a blessing in the end.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that's that's something that not a, not many people realize, you know, how much of the stuff just does not make the cut. I I you know, I listen back to those early albums, you know, particularly ELP albums, and I kind of think that just basically everything they did in the studio made it onto the record. I don't think it's like that anymore.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it was. I don't know. Well, ask Carl.
1: Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you know, like, are you ready, Eddie or Benny the Bouncer? (laughs) How did that make it on? (laughs) But but, but I'm glad it did.
0: (laughs) But I think, yeah, some of that stuff might be like, Hey man, you guys, you know, we have half a day left and, we could really use one more track. Or well, what do you guys <laughs> want to do? I don't know. How about this?
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, some of the best things that some of those guys did, I mean, when you find out about the making of those records, a twist and shout by the Beatles was only because they had, they hadn't used up all their studio time. John's voice. It's was. Right. Yeah. And John's voice was completely shot. That's why, you know, That's kind of what gives it its whole crazy vibe is how shot his voice is. Right. And you can hear by the end of the song, he can barely sing, you know, baby, nah, you know, he's like really flat. And there's something about the whole thing that just has this energy to it. Yeah, for sure. that That was just a song that they played in the clubs. And then, yeah, so you never know, you know, sometimes the, the thing that you do at the last minute—that's really that—you know—you just kind of do it really quickly. That can be, that can be a really great thing. Um, on the on this last transatlantic album, uh, I just had this kind of crazy inspiration to to try putting this other song, it, it, splicing in, taking out a section and putting in this other song at the end. Um, and uh, it was called can you feel it and i think i wrote it and did all the the demo of it really quick i mean really quickly i don't know the whole thing writing it and doing the demo of it to send to the guys was about four hours total and
1: uh right right
0: because i was getting ready to leave on that rv trip that's right now i remember right and uh So I didn't have much time and I wasn't sure if it was going to be good. You know, I do find that sometimes you're in your writing, you, you know, you'll do something really quickly sometimes just throwing it out there and you don't even know if it's going to work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that used to be a a big roadblock for me. um, Because, you know, I wanted everything to be great, but, um, but now I just, now I, I've stopped caring about things being great because I know if this one isn't, then the next one might be. Yeah, I'm never sure how it's going to come out. I don't think I feel silly saying this to my favourite songwriter in the whole world, but uh, I mean, <laughs> you oh. know, I I I I get I find the fact that you're so so prolific very inspiring. Um, just because I, I, I mean, I, I really, you know, I strive to be prolific, but I feel like I have to give myself a reason to be, um, I, I, I find one thing that I really learnt ab- about myself is, you know, doing tours with you, doing t- tours with Carl, doing Morse Fest or, or whatever it was. I work really hard when I have to, um, and, but I'm not the kind of person who, um, is, you know, um, I have... I, I don't have this built-in angst inside me or whatever to get out the, the outpourings of my heart into a song. So I need to give myself a reason to do that. Um, but do you find the same thing? I mean, I feel like you've just always been prolific and always been creative and just music seems to flow out of you.
0: Well, sometimes I do hear a lot of music. You know, sometimes it's, you know, I, I don't even want to, I don't ne- necessarily even want it. Yeah. Like I'm just like this morning lying in bed and I'm kind of hearing these themes and sometimes it's not really anything I can use. <laughs> you know, I'm listening for what I, what I think right, I can right. use. Because yeah. <laughs> some, some of the ideas that occur right. to me are just so strange sometimes. Um, my grandson, <laughs> I have a grandson named Maddox and he loves this Christmas song that I wrote uh called uh, worldwide sleigh ride santa take me on a oh, worldwide sleigh ride santa take me on your sleigh come on santa i mean it's, it's a funny song and uh but the kids just love it you know and um he asked me How, you know how'd you think of that and i'm like well i remember i was on a ski lift in colorado and it i just i don't know it just played in my mind i don't know And so I got off the ski lift and I sang it in my phone, but I didn't actually even write the song for like a year and a half after that. I just had, it just sat in my phone and I kind of remembered I had this silly idea, you know? uh, So I don't know. Sometimes I feel called. Sometimes I feel like God's working on me. I'll want to do something else. I might want to go work out. I might want to go to the pool or something. And sometimes I feel like the Lord will be like, no, no, write it i don't ever i never know what it is it's it's funny because then i'll just sort of like right now i'm i'm writing some songs based on this book that i'm reading and you know so i i just kind of what would it be like it's like it's like you're you just kind of create the environment in which the creativity can happen right so i get my i get a little keyboard i go out on the porch it's a nice morning and i get my phone to record any ideas I might have. And I get the book and my tablet of stuff and a cup of coffee. And I sit out there and just kind of go, hmm, well, it's almost like if I was going to write something, what would it be? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And it's an amazing thing. So, you know, I'll just start playing something on the, oh, that's kind of nice. And then, you know, open the book and go, you know, you look, I look for stuff that's going to touch my heart. Like what, what's touching me? What am I, t- what am I touched about? Cause I feel like music should be, uh, you know, it's the language of emotion. So.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whatever that emotion is, you know, whether, if it's touching or if it's something with angst in it, uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, or joy, you know, whatever it is that you're feeling that way, but it's, it, it's very inexact and very instinctive as you know.
1: Yeah. I completely agree about the, uh, the emotion it's uh i mean that's that's why twist and shout was the hit because uh you know <laughs> because john Lennon is uh is really struggling to play it. it's not a hit because it's a technical technically perfect uh performance is it
0: no it's the feeling so, of it yeah, yeah so it's if it. you're trying to write you know sometimes have you ever tried to write a feel-good song
1: um yeah i think so yeah yeah yeah
0: like you'll just sit down on the beach and go like man this feels so good, the air, just the whole thing, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: So you try to capture how you're feeling a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Sometimes people will do like whole divorce albums. Like the whole... (laughs) That's true. That's true. I think Ty Tabor uh, from King's X has a whole, this wonderful album that's all like, yeah, I think Adele, right? Adele's big, big record. Right, that's true. I was going through this really this breakup of this really bad relationship and that's me pouring my heart out you know so that could that can be wonderful too you know it's yeah uh, that's
1: true absolutely yeah
0: people if people you feel that feeling you know whatever that is
1: yeah yeah the first song i ever wrote was about my first breakup (laughs) It was my journey into uh into songwriting
0: yeah well it's yeah wonderful outlet you know i remember when i was when i was um i played in clubs doing doing covers in la wow for a long time i mean it was really it got very depressing towards the end right from 1984 to i i quit the band i think in 90 but then i came back and i was like then I joined a different band and I was subbing and it was even worse. Like between like ninety-two and ninety-three. And right. but uh I remember being filled with angst sometimes. I was just really angry in those days about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You know, traffic lights, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, still am. <laughs> so what band was that? That was that was like um uh, that was like a, a cover band.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a cover band called Burlesque. But I remember sometimes I'd right. go in there really sad or really angry or something. And as we would play, I would realize, man, this is great. You know, I could put my anger into the music, uh-huh. you know, or I could put my sadness. Yeah, yeah. I, as we would just be playing these songs, by the third set, a lot of times I was feeling better.
1: I, I feel like uh, that, you know, that first Spock's Beards album with the water. I mean, that's a really angry song, isn't it? Yeah. um that's uh, and I, I i it's almost like you can I, I don't know exactly what your journey was but it's almost like you can see your journey emotionally through the Spock's beard albums right to the end to to snow uh where it's you know it's uh, it's 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 the brightest and and most uplifting of all of the albums
0: yeah, and oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that that was happening. I was yeah. just writing about a lot of, some of it, I, and some of it I thought was gibberish that now makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Right, yeah, sure.
0: But yeah, the water, I mean, I you know, I was, I lived there. I lived in that place of feeling like, you know, life was kind of when it all goes to hell, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. being really angry with God, you know. You gave me, I felt a lot in those days, like the Salieri character in the Amadeus movie. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Mm -hmm. that, but it's really, I haven't seen it in years, but I remember thinking it was really, really a brilliant movie. Um, I just remember that Salieri is is one of the composers and he knows he's just second rate to Mozart. He -hmm. knows it. And it's like, God, why did you give me this desire, yeah, this burning desire, and not give me the wherewithal to see it to fruition? What a cruel thing to do. And so that I felt that way about God for many years.
1: Right. You know, in relation to who? Who were you looking at thinking they've got the gift or they've got the, uh, the break or whatever?
0: Oh, well, you know. I, it's funny. I was just talking in church this last Sunday about the suffering that comes from comparing. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the scripture That's says, right. you know, you're unwise to compare yourselves with yourselves. And uh, what I, who I compared myself to, and I was never measuring up mainly was Peter Gabriel.
1: Okay. Right.
0: I remember saying, well, you know, cause I would throw parties sometimes in LA and, you know, hardly anybody would show up. And I, if I was, if I was Peter Gabriel, they would have showed up.
1: <laughs>
0: I remember saying it. Because really? people because I would be lamenting and people would always try to cheer me up and they would say, well, you know, it's just that people are busy and your friends are mostly musicians and some of them have gigs and then you don't wanna drive. You know, they have all these things. And I'd say, and I'd just say, well, if, it, if Peter Gabriel was throwing a party, they'd figure out a way to get there. <laughs> yeah you know and so for me it just wasn't it wasn't working out and i knew i had something and and i knew and i couldn't i came to a point in the 90s uh because most of the time every time i got rejected by a label i would just go like ah well they're what a bunch of idiots listen to all this junk on the radio like so they signed this guy but they won't sign me what a bunch of morons yeah yeah so basically what a what a horrible way to be walking around in the world yeah just thinking what a bunch of morons kind of about everybody
1: (laughs) yeah sure sure oh i've definitely been there yeah
0: Okay, so yeah. and imagine you're, I'm playing cover gigs, right? So we got to play the popular songs of the day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so we start, ding, 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 right? excess, right? And the, yeah. everybody's like, "Woo!" Yeah. they all come out in the dance hall. Yeah. I'm like, you morons. <laughs> <laughs> actually befriended quite a few uh, label guys I was you know I was being shopped and do showcasing my songs and you know yeah. for a long time and you know so I showcased for different guys and I w- they would actually take my calls some of them and right. A&R guys and whatnot. not yeah. I got to this point where I couldn't really say that the record company guys were you know wrong or dumb or whatever they were and I couldn't really yeah. say that um, I didn't think that I had any kind of a, you know, gift that was worth yeah. you know, exploring. So I kind of I kind of, uh, the only thing that made any sense to me was that God was torturing me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite a revelation <laughs> when I came to that revelation. You know, of course, it was funny. Yeah. You know, it was funny, but it was also the only thing that I could come up with that made any sense And, uh, but it did give me some freedom and I did start writing different music. That was right around the same time that I started writing the Spock's Beard stuff. And I started expressing in that way. Yeah. And so it was kind of funny. That was all part of the whole birth of Spock's Beard really was this kind of giving up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I've heard that about a lot of people, you know, um, Uh, yeah, I've heard that about. Um, Steve Vai was saying that about uh, you know his massive album Passion and Warfare. He said he just he just he, he wasn't really interested in it in it being commercial. He just went into the studio with a one intern engineer, and um, and just thought uh, you know I, I don't really want this to be successful. I just want to do this for me, and all of a sudden it was the biggest instrumental album. Guitar instrumental album ever made. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think that's a common thing, and I think it, I, I, it probably comes down to right uh, to honesty and and you know honesty in music and writing music for yourself rather than what you think people want to hear. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. We you you'd think we would all know that.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah (laughs) i know know, yeah we still have to learn it sometimes because there my brother and i were trying to have success in the music business for so many years you know really depressed i was right he had left music and gone into the business world for a while it was when we really you know gave up and just did this crazy stuff that just really just for like you said just for ourselves
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: and then it really uh it really caught on quite quite well even the first the first record, we didn't even know there was a prog world, really. It was because there was no internet. It was all really underground. Yeah. Then, you know, just, somehow mail, by mail order or something, they sold, sold like 8,000 CDs. That's, <laughs> that's pretty, that was yeah, pretty I amazing mean. with no promotion or anything. Well, of course it bloomed from there. And so where, where did, where did where and when did we meet, Paul? I couldn't remember.
1: Uh, well i um, i first when i when I did my first u s tour, I was very excited to be coming over to the u s and um, so that was two thousand and six so i sent um, well I aimed to send a load of people uh, like a load of uh, you know my heroes um, I- an email and invite them to our gig um, and you were one of them. And actually, I didn't end up sending any more emails after <laughs> after I sent yours out. I kind of went behind the uh, along the wayside. But um, I sent you an email saying uh, we're playing in America. Um, would you like to come to a gig? And not knowing America very well, uh, you said um, oh, that would be great. But you're not. I've just checked your dates, and you're not playing within a thousand miles of me. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> but anyway, we stayed in touch, and then. Um, I think we met at some of your gigs with uh, with Colin, and then uh, oh, the next year I got an email from you saying, "Do you want to do a tour?"
0: Well, the first time I recall hearing about you, I was in Barcelona. Do you do you remember this story?
1: Yeah, I remember you saying, "Yeah,
0: yeah." I, I got into the car with a friend of mine there, and um, he. I think you got you and Carl had just played. Maybe you played in Barcelona recently, and uh, anyway, I think so. Yeah, he played. He was playing me and telling me all about you. He was playing stuff, and he was right. so excited. He's a very excitable guy, this friend of mine there, and he was very excited about you. And uh, I think maybe he met you and talked with you or something. So he was encouraging me to work with you. And right. Well. Wow. And then a couple of years later, I guess it would have been, when uh, we were talking about guitar players or something, or, or did you meet Yeah did you meet with colin was that how it happened or
1: no it came for you i didn't know i didn't know the i would had the introduction um you know I, i'd i'd sent the email and we'd had a few email back and forth um but i, I didn't know colin at all
0: yeah i just uh, so i yeah i asked if you could sing and, and you said sure
1: yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> and then googled singing teachers yeah <laughs> that's funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you did great. You did it was great. it was only it was only a half. Well, it wasn't a lie, but it was only if it was a lie, it was only a half lie because uh, because I I sang in choirs and th- did that sort of thing, um, but just never. Well, I played with Carl. You know, there's uh, there's no microphone except for with Carl. But you know that I'm singing. Did I tell you that I'm singing with Carl now? No. Yes. I am now the lead vocalist for uh, for Carl Palmer's band. So I'm singing all of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing I all the Greg Lake
0: bits and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're doing Tarkus and uh, Lucky Man and Knife Edge and yeah, loads of stuff. Yeah, so so I'm now the lead vocalist. Yeah. Wow. Which which I you know it all came from uh, me telling you a half truth about being able to sing.
0: I'm thinking about singing Tarkus. How much fun would that be? Clear the battlefield uh, it, and let me see. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you do a much better job than me. Well, as you know, we did that show at the Grand Old Opry and on that tour with Arthur Brown. Yes. Um, singing. Um, and I just was thinking, going back to just instrumental versions of it all, it just, it feels like a step down rather than a step up. Um, so I, bef- a little before that, I'd experimented with using a vocoder. So whenever you know the guitar was playing the melody lines to some of these songs, at least we could have some kind of hint of the lyrics, even though it is a strictly um, um, instrumental band. But um, it was my it was my understanding that Carl always wanted it to be an instrumental band. So. The subject of vocals never came up, but then we got a few guest vocalists with us, um, and then I thought, well, why not? I'll I'll see if I can go to some singing lessons and see if I I can uh, do this. And sure enough, I, I mean, I, I we we turned up at a, at a rehearsal. Very rarely have rehearsals with Carl. It's usually just all worked out in sound checks. But uh, I guess. Letting me knee, near a, a microphone required a, a, a rehearsal to see if, <laughs> if it was going to be horrendous or not. Right. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so, so we had a rehearsal, and um, I expect a call to say, "Oh yeah, do this song, but not this, this, and this." And uh, and by the end of the rehearsal, it was like, "Yeah, sure, let's let's do it." So, I'd say half the songs that we're doing now have have got vocals. So it's com- completely different band from when you saw us last
0: oh wow
1: still three piece still three piece still the same lineup and i'm using a lot of midi sounds now i don't know if oh you will have seen that on the royal affair tour yeah 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 so yeah. that royal affair tour was the first time i was using all of the midi sounds i i got uh with a an amazing company um called jam origin and they do this software called midi guitar 2 and basically you just plug your guitar into a regular interface and it converts everything with hardly any latency at all to MIDI data you can send to a VST or whatever. And it's uh, it's polyphonic and it's just incredible. Wow. So everything I play has got like a Hammond behind it or a Moog sound behind it. Um, so yeah, I feel like the, the the band has really, really changed over the last, well... I would say year, but obviously it's done nothing over the last year. But yeah, right. the last year of it playing, yeah, completely different.
0: Oh man, I love that gig so much that you guys did. Um, I really that was just that was really really a special special set you guys did. I thought Carl's drum solo at the end was fabulous, and yeah, very very impressive. I enjoyed that.
1: You mean the one uh, the the one at the Grand Old Opry?
0: Yeah, I love it, man. It really was. Don't you love yeah. those gigs where you get to like travel all over and you play? You're only playing for like a half an hour,
1: <laughs> right? No, less because I think I think you know seven or eight minutes of that half hour slot was Carl's drum solo,
0: right? <laughs> 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 yeah, I remember when Stocks was opening yeah. for Dream Theater. I mean, it was so much fun for me. I mean, because I'm a bit of a travel travel adventurous, you know, adventurer, yeah. you know, enthusiast and uh it was amazing so you know we'd be in like helsinki we were we were done well before the sun went down you know we played from like quarter after seven to quarter till eight and then we're done it was (laughs) was so easy what an easy gig yeah of course we were were losing money hand over fist but it didn't matter
1: oh is that right (laughs) oh yeah oh Uh, yeah but i i I tell you what, you were gaining fans though, um, because that's. I feel like that was the, that was a big introduction for me to Spock's Beard. Um, I, I, right. I was aware. I was aware of the band, um, but seeing you guys, particularly alongside Dream Theater, because, I feel like it, it was the polar opposite of Dream Theater. I think, I think um, you you gained a lot of fans on that tour. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, I know that me, we did. Everyone was
0: i know that we did it yeah. was uh wound up being a really 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 good thing uh for the band yeah but yeah we of course you know we were we were going into debt but we didn't care because you know it was we were we yeah, were we were in a moment an upward momentum and that was that's what you do i mean it was uh it was a really good thing yeah for us so we're very grateful yeah dream theater for letting us apart
1: I think I saw you on every UK uh date of that uh, of that Dream Theater Spots Beard tour
0: oh did you really yeah so uh you yeah. were I wanted to ask you about how you got the gig with Carl
1: uh, so the gig with Carl so that came out of uh well I was I was teaching at a college um in England down in Brighton and uh Another teacher there was uh, a, a guy who's absolutely blown up now on the internet, and well, I, I, I think YouTube had a lot to do with him getting famous. But a guy called Guthrie Govan, do you know him?
0: Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: he was teaching there. Yeah, yeah. So, so he he was like the guitar player everyone was talking about in the UK. So, um, Carl did have a version of the band before I joined, um, but it was it was kind of like. Um, I wouldn't say it, I wouldn't say a jazz trio, but it was uh, it was it was the same sort of basis, but just um, you know very very raw, no effects on any of the guitar guitars or anything like that, and um, uh, just kind of yeah, imagine a, imagine jazz played through a, a Marshall stack. It was that sort of thing, uh, but with a great great guitar player called Sean Baxter, and uh, Sean left the band. Um, he had to leave the band for I think well i think it was health issues but uh he left the band so carl was looking around for another guitar player and guthrie was recommended guthrie couldn't do it because he was then playing in the version of asia with john payne so he recommended me so i contacted carl said that uh, you know i've been recommended to him and um you know, I'm interested in joining the band. And he, and Carl said, oh, I'm really sorry, we've already found a guitar player. Um, but if you want to send me a CD, then, then it's not going to harm. So I didn't, you know, it was back in the days before I had a, a recording set up. So this was would have been uh, 2004, 2003. Um, so I went around to my friend's house, scrambled together a CD, sent it up to him and put it together in a day, put, sent it up to him. And I got a phone call um, when when the mail arrived, because we didn't email things, uh, when the mail arrived saying, um, I love your CD, listen to it, um, I'd like to offer you the post for uh, as as guitarist. I was like, well, what about the other guy? Oh, well, you know, it's not going to happen anymore. So um, So that was that. And then no rehearsal. Uh, sorry, no, no, um, no audition. Just um, a couple of days rehearsals, and then I was on my first tour with them. So that was uh, probably uh, the most intense period of learning music that I've ever had. Um, I, 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 particularly at the time because I was I was at, I was teaching at college, but I was also just out of college. So I kept saying every single tune I was learning was the most difficult thing I'd ever learned and we were doing like a you know an hour and 45 minutes of the every single tune was the most difficult thing I'd ever ever played <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that
0: yeah yeah wow that's amazing what was on the cd uh what, so, uh, what, uh, on what was
1: on my cd that I sent him um yeah. I did well I think the reason why it kind of pricked up his ears was there was a lot of classical inspired things on there. Um so I did a um I did a version of Flight of the Bumblebee called Flight of the Hippopotamus, which was Flight of the Bumblebee in Quintuplets <laughs> because why not? Uh, so it was uh, five notes per beat rather than re- arranged for five notes per beat rather than four notes per beat. Um and uh, so I sent you a him, minute uh, now, what, else? I think what that- would that sound like so um, <laughs> do you know 00s, what I can...
0: Michaels- il- doired- did- That's the regular one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I can? T- I can show you exactly what it sounds like um, because I think I've got that very track that I sent to him. Really? Let me just see if I can. Yeah, let me just see if I can find it.
0: Um... Ooh, that'd be fun. I'm trying to imagine it. You're... Like da 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 da
1: well. Yeah da 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 da. Oh well, yeah. Okay. Uh, the reason why I called it Hippop- uh, "Flight of the Hippopotamus" was um, that uh, the way that I counted fives is Hippopotamus, 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 hippopotamus." So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so wow, I, 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 so I decided that uh, you know, uh, let me just—I'm going to turn on original sound so you get this music. So I, I thought it would be a funny idea just to you know. I didn't have many friends, I didn't have much social life, so I thought it was a, <laughs> a funny idea to arrange it. So, uh, yeah, so it was me and my friend, a bass player called Luke Spurl, and uh, we went into a studio, and it was so kind of off the, off the fly that we, we did sound effects each, we did, a, we did sound effects pretending to be a hippopotamus, and we got around a stereo mic and just literally um, just coughed and spluttered into a mic to make these hippo sound effects you'll you'll hear it in a minute but I'll stick it on for you
0: yeah Here please
1: is. that is a real hippo <laughs> Hippopotamus. <laughs> Thank you. And, and the result was that it was a, a version of Flight of the Bumblebee that was much harder to play, but it didn't sound quite as impressive because the tempo ended up being slower because I was squeezing five notes into every beat. So, you know, it was much harder to play, but at least it wasn't as impressive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, Carl so heard uh, Carl heard that and said, That's my guy. I so heard that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. That should have been a warning sign to me right there. <laughs> you wait a minute. You like that? <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. I also sent him some of the stuff I, I I used to do uh, stuff in the style of other guitar players for um, for Guitarist magazine. So I sent him a few of those columns. Um, but yeah, I think he liked the fact that it was kind of classical-ish, and also that uh, he, I think he liked the sense of humour in it as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can I definitely hear that in his work. You know, there's there's always been a good element of humor in yeah. You know, a lot of the ELP stuff people thought of them as I think being very pretentious, but I don't think that they were.
1: Oh no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Carl is an absolute blast too. You know, if you you know the whole question of who would you invite to a, a dinner party, Carl Palmer would be a good choice. He's a he's a, a riot.
0: Yeah. yeah, the times that I've uh, gotten to be around him, we've uh, we've we've connected and got on very well. Great. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So, what's next for you, man? Besides writing these two hundred songs?
1: Uh, well, um, what I'm doing with these two hundred songs is they um, they're all for different projects. Um, one project that I've got going at the moment um, is I'm sending out it, all to do with my Patreon page. I'm sending out. Postcards to everyone. Well, everyone on the the postcard tier on my Patreon page, and uh, it's been a really nice project because I've got my dad. My dad's an artist. uh, Got my dad to paint watercolors, and he's done maybe half a dozen for each month. And then I'll write a tune for that month, and I'll send it out. So I'm sending out these postcards. We're up. We're only up to June so far, but these are some of the postcards they sent out. Man, that's great. What a great idea. Um, so, so we do that, and then and then on the back of the postcard, um, you turn it over, and there's a QR code, and you scan that, and you hear the tune of the month. So it's kind of like a, you know, a musical postcard. Uh, my idea for that is to put them when I've got a year's worth, put them together onto either uh, an EP or or maybe even kind of a, a coffee table book, uh, and do that. So. So, but these are all the, you know, these these are each one of the two hundred compositions that I'm doing. I'm also writing a soundtrack for the 1922 Nosferatu movie, the uh, the original Dracula movie. Right. Um, so that's gonna that's that's gonna be finished this year, and it's the hundredth anniversary next year. So that's coming along. So yeah, wow. um, I mean, I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna have so many projects. Finished by the end of this year, that I'll just need to record them all. Um, so that's my that's my hope, anyway.
0: Well, that sounds great. Yeah. Man. I can't wait to hear some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah cool. Thank you. Anyway, well, man, it's, it's been, been great, great seeing you. It's been great talking with you. Yeah. And
1: uh, yeah, I, likewise, Neil. This was fantastic. Really good uh, to catch
0: up. Yeah, it's really good. I can't wait to, to we can get together again and uh, keep me posted on everything you're doing.
1: Thanks a lot, Neil. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you.